I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know that peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's sticks? Their wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate? I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy, and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold. Oh, you know what's hilarious? What? So the whole, like, last few weeks of of my pregnancy was, like, really rough. So the whole time I just watched Top Chef. It's my comfort television. And the entire labor, we watched Top Chef. (laughs) Every time a nurse would come in here, they'd be like, is that Top Chef? (laughs) (laughs) We rewatched all 20 seasons. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. That's how much Top Chef Did you have it on 24-7? That's in- Well, the labor was like 19 hours, so it was on 19 hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. When it was time to push, they were like, should we turn off Top Chef? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, I just want to see who wins this challenge. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. Today, I'm talking with chef, recipe developer, and YouTube star, Sola Elwaley. Sola's got a new cookbook out this week called Start Here, Instructions for Becoming a Better Cook. It's highly anticipated because Sola's got a reputation as a complete food nerd with a deep knowledge of flavor and technique and a passion for showing you that you can do it too. The book is a tome, jam-packed with photos and explanations, all presented with Sola's trademark enthusiasm. We've had Sola on the show here a couple times over the years, but I've never had a chance to really dig into her backstory to understand where her passion for cooking and helping others to cook comes from. It started when Sola was growing up in California's San Fernando Valley in a first-generation Bangladeshi-American family. I asked Sola to read an excerpt from the introduction to her new cookbook. I had that stereotypical, overprotective, first-gen, Asian-American kid upbringing. I wasn't allowed to talk to boys who weren't my cousins. I couldn't go to dances, and I definitely didn't date living under that roof. But my parents were really relaxed about other things. They were okay with me staying up all night baking cheesecakes. They let me paint not just my room, but nearly every room in the house with whatever technique I picked up that week watching home renovation shows. And neither one blinked an eye when I regularly started tiny fires in the backyard. It was my ammu's fault, because she told me about how as a young girl, she'd dig fire pits in her yard to cook rice and lentils in makeshift walnut shell pots. So I did too. How much rice and lentils can you fit in a walnut shell? Like like a pinch. (laughs) (laughs) And a child's pinch, you know, so maybe three grains of rice and and a couple of split lentils. It's like comfort food kind of thing. My mom would make it a lot when it rained. And we would always have that with uh, fried potatoes, Mm. mojo potatoes in the style of shakies. That's not a traditional Bangladeshi thing. (laughs) It was just our comfort food. Sola's mom was and is an incredible cook. And she enlisted her daughter from a young age to help her in the kitchen. I didn't have a whole lot of toys. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I was just helping with a lot of simple prep, washing stuff. Washing rice was one of the first lessons that I think probably every single Asian kid can relate to. Um, picking through lentils, which nowadays when you buy lentils, they're clean and there's no rocks, but I'm a million years old. So back then, there, there were little pebbles in there. And so we spread it out on a tray and I'd spend an afternoon picking the rocks out. 
And what kind of a cook was your mom? My mom is very precise. She's a home cook, but you wouldn't know it based on how she works. She does a lot of prep lists, game plans. Out of our home kitchen, my mom would regularly have dinner parties for like 100 people on the fly. A hundred? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. We always had a huge stack of folding chairs in the garage so they could like throw these spontaneous dinner parties. And I would always sit down and do the game plan with her. It was like our favorite thing to do. We would talk through the menu together, even when I was really little. And then we'd do a grocery list and break it down based on, like, the aisle. So I learned about how you design a menu, how you decide what foods are going to go together, and how you decide what you're going to feed for a particular crowd. So that's—I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with her growing up, and that's really my first culinary education. Sola's second culinary education arrived via daytime TV. My mom works uh, every day. Uh, And sometimes uh, she couldn't pick me up from school, so she dropped me off at an auntie's. And this auntie was really into food, but she was really into Western food. Um, I believe Martha Stewart was on every day at like four. Hello, and welcome to Martha Stewart Living. It's Easter next week, and today's program is filled with recipes and ideas. Her kids hated it. So they would like leave the living room, and it was just (laughs) me and her watching Martha Stewart. And I'd be taking notes, and it was really exciting because she would like try and cook all those things that we would watch on Martha Stewart. We'll show you how to make the most mouth-watering French toast you've ever tasted. To make simple drop Today we'll be making mile-high lemon pie. Luscious pound cake. So that was where I learned about things like chocolate chip cookies and like brownies and more like American kind of stuff like how to roast a chicken. If you really want to be successful with chicken, you should cook it classically like your grandmother. My mom was not really into Western food. Like she hates pasta to this day. She think it's the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> She's like, why would you eat pasta when you've got rice? <laughs> We've got this beautiful cella basmati rice. Right. Um, so it was it was fun to get all these different culinary perspectives from a really young age. Those afternoons Sola spent watching Martha Stewart marked the beginning of a lifelong love affair with cooking shows and reality TV, especially cooking competition shows like Top Chef, which, as she said earlier, she watches with her husband, Ham. He's also a chef. When him and I watch it, every single time, even if we've watched a challenge a million times, we, like, talk about what we would do if we were in the challenge. So it's like a fun little brain exercise. We don't, like, passively watch it. Right. It's a very active activity. You're almost, it's almost like sports fans. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you're rewatching like, great, great games in sports history. And then you're like, oh, what a terrible call by that coach. They should have run a different play. Yeah, like there, there's this one scene that we love from Top Chef that we watch all the time. Okay, okay. <laughs> I want to hear about this. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the season where Hung won. And they do a relay race. And, like, uh, basically there's two teams. And they each have to prep four things. One chef will shuck 15 oysters. One will finally dice five onions. One to break down four chickens. And one of the things they have to prep is break down chickens. It's good. And Hung breaks down these chickens so fast. Like, I've never seen anyone break down a chicken that fast. Hung came in with a knife when he butchered down that chicken. Like in like two minutes, man. And everyone around him is in shock at how fast he breaks down the chickens. He destroys those chickens. And even Tom's like, you've got to be kidding me. So we rewatch that over and over again because it's just, we just love seeing someone with that much like pure skill. I also like people watching them like struggle and like get over their struggles. It just feels like real cooking. But long before Sola started watching Top Chef, she was tackling ambitious cooking challenges of her own. 
She remembers one time, she was maybe nine or 10, she got it in her head that she wanted to make a genoise for Mother's Day. It's a light sponge cake. It's a recipe that requires a dozen eggs. So it, that, that that was a big deal, you know, to clean out all the eggs in the fridge when you're a kid. Um, and it, you have to fold it really well, whip it to get it, like, really light and airy. It's got a very specific technique. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't understand that. Um, so it was an omelet. And <laughs> it was a sweet omelet, an omelet you don't want to eat. So I was just sitting on the floor crying, which is how a lot of early cooking experiences ended up on the floor crying, locked in the bathroom crying, you know. And then my dad came home after a long day at work, and he just sees me crying. He asked me what was wrong, and I was like, oh, I, I used all the eggs on this cake. It's terrible. Um, and then he just left, and he came back with a dozen eggs for me to try it again. And that was it. He didn't say anything else. He just said, just make it again. Who cares? Um, and it was still bad. It was a little bit better, but it was not. It was not correct. It was not a correct genoise, but but it turned that like negative experience into a really positive one, and it taught me that like you just have to try again. There are kids who like to cook and who like mm-hmm. to spend time in the kitchen with their parents. It seems like you had from a very young age like an especially strong degree of that. Like uh-huh. a, a lot of kids would have had to be dragged into the kitchen to pick rocks out of lentils or take notes while watching Martha Stewart. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what do you think it was that drew you? in that was so compelling to you? You know, I think a big part of it was that I didn't get along well with my family or like the people in our close community. I grew up in a very conservative community. So I felt from a really young age, I I knew I didn't like fit in. um, And I felt very separate from everyone. I knew really early on that religion wasn't for me. I asked a lot of questions at the mosques, which uh, didn't go over well. But the one time where I didn't feel like everyone hated me was when I was cooking something. You know, even at the mosque, you show up with the tray of samosas. No one cares. (laughs) (laughs) So food is the one thing where our family could get along. Even now, when I haven't talked to my mom for a while, she'll call me and just ask me about food. And it's just how we reconnect. And, And I think I learned early on that you can connect with anybody, no matter how different you are and how how differently you see the world over a good meal. Uh, we could be fighting and screaming over something, and then I'd make a chicken parm at my pretend restaurant called Manger Moi, and we'd all sit down and have a nice time. Right. Uh, and I didn't realize how bad the name Manger Moi was right. until I took French in high school. <laughs> I was like, well, that's not... <laughs> For our non-French speakers, it means eat me. Yeah. But... <laughs> By the time Solo was a teenager, cooking was all she wanted to do. It seemed like a career she could pursue, maybe a way out of the conservative religious community she grew up in. But for her family... I mean, they loved that I cooked because they didn't think it would become a career, right? They were like, she's going to be an excellent housewife. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're very traditional. So, they, you know, they wanted me to get an arranged marriage and have a whole bunch of kids and just uh, be a housewife. Sola's parents also knew firsthand how hard a life in the food industry could be. Her dad worked at Taco Bell for 25 years. He started out just, uh, you know, as one of the cooks, uh, eventually became the the manager. Later, her dad bought a Baskin-Robbins franchise that he and Sola's mom still operate today. Sola says it was an all-consuming job for her dad, so he wasn't home a lot. I love how much they work. I think it's amazing to work 14 hours a day somewhere. But I think their goal was for us to never work that hard. 
like, it's not what my dad wanted to do. So, like, he didn't come to America thinking he was going to be a Baskin-Robbins owner. But he's he's put everything into it. And if you want to sit down and talk to him about, like, how to make the perfect cappuccino blast, he'll talk to you for, like, hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's really cool. So I think the main thing I took away from that was just, like, being passionate with what you do, no matter what other people think. she was a kid, cooking had brought Sola and her family together. But as she got older, it started to become a wedge. I really didn't want to go to college at all. I just wanted to cook. But it didn't seem like really possible, you know? Especially when you're that young, you don't really feel like you have a say in your life. So I just went to college anyways, and I hated it. I, I I really hated it. I really struggled to get along with anybody because I just didn't want to be there. I was so depressed. At the end of freshman year, Sola dropped out. And then I had like a year, a really terrible year. I just worked random jobs. I didn't have like a a, a steady place to live, you know? So sometimes I was living on people's couches. Sometimes I was living in a car. Um... I, I got married to some random guy that I met who was all, younger than me. So it was a, we were both stupid. Uh, we were both stupid and poor and just, like, living in weird situations. Uh, <clears throat> so, like, what did your parents think that you were doing? Oh, I just left. I, did, I lost contact with everybody. I didn't want anyone in my life, you know? I just wanted to get away from everything. After about a year of couch surfing and working odd jobs— Sola decided to go back to college and finish her degree. She hated every minute of it, but she made it through. Then, despite the weight of family pressure, she started looking around for a job in a restaurant. She'd known her whole life that she wanted to be a chef. Now she was finally going for it. It took me a really long time to finally decide that I was going to do this, like, seriously. And I, and I think it was just coming to terms with the fact that it meant I was going to disappoint a lot of people. And once you made that decision, how did you feel about it? Very scared. Very scared. Um, <clears throat> and it was very hard to stick with it because my parents deployed all the aunties and uncles to call me and tell me how I was ruining my life and ruining their life. And, you know, it's like you, you really have to, like, turn all of that off and focus. And I think all it did was make me focus more. Sola's goal was to work in fine dining, but she struggled to break into that corner of the industry at first. I got a lot of jobs at, like, you know, chain restaurants, but you don't do a whole lot of cooking at places like that. You have a set menu. A lot of things are in bags. A lot of things are pre-portioned. You're not, like, making dressings. But um, I really wanted to go to a place where you're making, like, everything from scratch. And eventually, this one pub owner gave me a shot. It was a pub on Ventura Avenue called The Fox and Hounds. The owner was a former bouncer there. And, like, someone took a chance on him, so he was really into taking chances on people. The whole team there were people who, like, it was just like a crew of misfits, you know? He was just, like, a really nice guy who, like, believed in everybody. And he got the best out of everyone because of it. So it was the first place where I, like, cooked hot food from scratch. Sola's job was to cook full English breakfast for the soccer fans who came to the pub to watch matches. And because this was in L.A., sometimes the games were, like, at 3 a.m. because they're, you know, somewhere else in the world. Right. 
And there'd be all these like really intense soccer fans who want this like full English breakfast, which an English breakfast has a lot on it. You've got bangers, uh, rashers. Bangers are sausages. Rashers is ham or bacon. Uh, mushrooms, uh, grilled tomatoes. And like, I didn't know how to set up a, a line. So normally when you pick something up in a restaurant, you like prep stuff out. Like you have your tomatoes sliced, you have your mushrooms cooked, you're just heating it up. I didn't know anything. So I was doing everything to order. So every time someone ordered an English breakfast, you started slicing mushrooms. Yes, it was terrible. <laughs> yes. I learned quickly, though, because that first shift, I just cried. Right. <laughs> Coming up, Sola locks eyes with the love of her life over a pile of chicken carcasses. Stick around. And now, a delicious word from our sponsors. Mm-mm, it's very good. In the Pashman household, we're already big fans of Tillamook shredded cheese. In fact, I used it in developing many recipes in my cookbook. And now I'm getting into their ice cream. Tillamook ice cream is made with more cream, so you get smooth and dreamy scoops each time. You may not realize it, but this is why a lot of the store-bought ice cream doesn't taste the same as what you get in, like, in an ice cream parlor. But with Tillamook, they don't skimp on the cream. These people know dairy, okay? Tillamook makes a great, rich vanilla ice cream with real crushed vanilla bean seeds. They have an Oregon strawberry, sweet strawberry ice cream with ripe Oregon strawberry pieces. The one that I really love is the mudslide flavor, a smooth chocolate ice cream with a ribbon of rich fudge and chocolatey chips. You want to move the spoon around to get fudgy and chocolatey chips and the ice cream all in the same bite each time, and it's just so, so nice. And like I said, I just trust Tillamook when it comes to dairy. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. That's T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. The weather's warming up. Have you nailed down your summer travel plans yet? I can tell you, we're working on ours and things are booking up, which is why you should be thinking about Norwegian Cruise Line. They have been raising the standards of cruising for more than 55 years. Let me tell you, when you cruise with NCL, you get award-winning specialty restaurants, immersive entertainment, and the most thrilling experiences at sea. Now, look, one of the great things about cruises in general is that you can visit and explore all kinds of different destinations, all with the ease of unpacking your bag just once. But Norwegian Cruise Line, they take cruising to another level and they take food to another level. With no set dining and entertainment times and no formal dress codes, you have the flexibility to design your ideal vacation. They have an incredible variety of truly authentic and fresh dining and bar experiences complemented by exceptional service. Listen to this. There are up to eight complimentary and nine specialty dining options per ship and up to 23 bar and lounge options. Come see why NCL's guest first philosophy means exceptional service and unforgettable memories. Book your next vacation at ncl.com. I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn best buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. 
And Bogle Vineyard says so many different kinds of wine, whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. They got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready for warmer weather? I know I am. But is your wardrobe ready? I just stocked up on spring and summer clothing at Quince. And let me tell you something. I'm feeling great about everything I got. I got a couple of short sleeve button-down shirts, polo shirt, some shorts. Everything feels great. It's super high quality. And I can't believe how much stuff I got at a reasonable price. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Whatever you need for the spring and summer, Quince has your back. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash sporkful for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sporkful to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash sporkful. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. And in case you missed the special announcement we dropped into the feed a few days ago, big news. My cookbook is now available for pre-order. It's called Anything's Pastable, 81 Inventive Pasta Recipes for Saucy People. It's a collection of non-traditional pasta sauces, so this is not your known as cookbook, okay? You know, after Cascatelli came out, so many people sent me pics of what they were making with it, and so much of what I saw was the same few recipes. So I set out to make a cookbook to show you that there is so much more that you can and should be putting on your pasta. Now, pre-orders are a really good way to support any author because they show publishers and booksellers that they should care about this book. So I hope you'll pre-order it. And if you want to pre-order a signed copy that's part of a special holiday pasta gift box from Sfolini, we got that too. If you order now, you'll get the six boxes of pasta plus a special postcard with a sneak preview recipe immediately in time for the holidays. Then the signed cookbook will arrive in March. All that info is at sporkful.com. Thanks. Now back to my conversation with chef and YouTube star Sola El Whaley, who before the break was frying up full English breakfasts at a pub in L.A. It was the owner of that pub who encouraged Sola to apply for culinary school. In 2008, she left California, flew across the country, and enrolled at the Culinary Institute of America in New York, also known as the CIA. I was the most intense person in culinary school. Like, I was there for a reason, and it was to prove everyone wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's that's often the best motivation. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like it's become my mantra so much that Ham actually makes fun of me. And I'll just like, uh, I'll change the baby's diaper and I'll be like, I did it. No one said I could do it, but I did it. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) So Sola took culinary school very seriously. But her time at the CIA wasn't quite what she was expecting. I chose the CIA because I grew up watching that program on PBS, the great chefs of the world. So I was really excited about it. But uh, culinary school's kind of terrible. Why? It's a little bit of a scam. The classes are really overcrowded. Um, and cooking is all about practice. And they don't give you enough products to actually practice. 
for when we learned how to butcher a chicken, I had to share a chicken with a partner. How, do you, how much do you learn about butchering a chicken with half a chicken? Fortunately, Sola found someone else in culinary school who wanted to butcher more chickens. That's where I met Ham, and this is what we bonded over. We both really wanted to get good at chicken, so we just bought a whole bunch of chickens <laughs> and did it ourselves. <laughs> you know? And that's when I knew I was like, oh, we're getting married. So culinary school wasn't a total waste. No, it wasn't. But if it's great. Maybe you can meet a ham of your own, but you're not going to learn anything about cooking. <laughs> Go for the, 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 the romance. The romance, not for the food. Yeah. After the CIA, Solo worked in several high-end, high-pressure restaurants in New York City. The place that I liked working the most was also the one where I was the most miserable. It's changed a lot because the laws have changed. (laughs) 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 But but when when I worked there, the hours were from 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. And that's why I wanted to work there. Like, that was what pulled me in. And it's really, it was really intense. Some guys would sleep there at night. And the average length that someone would work there was about three weeks. So making that a year there is like a really big deal. Like, only a handful of people can survive working at a place like that. And I'm really glad that I did because there's not a lot of places these days where you can prep out your whole station and work the service. It's pretty broken up now because people are just doing eight-hour shifts. So you either have the early shift where you prep or you have the later shift where you cook on the line. And this was a place where I got to do both and everything that I picked up on the line, I prepped. And it's pretty rare to have that experience. And so when you say picked up on the line, that means cooked. Yes, Okay. Yes. I'm just translating the chef. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, so, right, because, because in a lot of restaurants, you have one person who cuts the vegetables or mm-hmm. partially cooks them or carves the chicken or whatever, and you have another person who actually takes those prepped ingredients and cooks them. Mm-hmm. But this was an opportunity for you to be able to follow these dishes through from the very beginning to the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you like about that? It's all on you. You can't blame anyone. There's no one to rely on. You're totally like, this is your station. It's almost like you're running your own little restaurant. In 2016, Sola and her husband, Ham, actually did open their own little restaurant together in Brooklyn. They called it Hail Mary because that's what it was, a desperate effort to realize their long-held dream of owning their own place. After they couldn't find outside investors, they decided to use their own money to open, which is pretty unusual among restaurateurs these days, especially in New York, where the cost of opening a restaurant is steep. Their original vision was kind of an upscale diner where patrons could enjoy gourmet versions of classic American dishes. We called it a diner at the time, but now with more perspective, it only looked like a diner. I mean, you did did the renovation yourselves in two weeks? Yeah, we did. It was really poorly done. (laughs) (laughs) It was really bad. Uh, And I remember like a day before we were going to open, Ham's dad came by and he was like, these floors are terrible. And we're like, no one's going to look at the floors. He's like, they're terrible. So we rented a sander from Home Depot and stayed up the whole night. And sanded the floors and, like, finished them with uh, varnish. This is where my uh, previous kind of home renovation experience came in handy. Uh, And, like, it smelled like varnish when we opened. That stuff takes a while to dry. Um, But, yeah, it was uh, really poorly done. Uh, All the electrical work, like, we got our lamps from China. They were, like, fake Tiffany lamps. And they had an extra wire that I didn't know what to do with, so I just cut them off. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't burn down. It didn't burn down. I still have one of the lamps. The menu at Hail Mary was also a bit all over the place. The theme of the food was whatever we wanted, and it didn't make any sense because Ham was going more fancy, and I was going more like Americana. So the food was just 
chaos, whatever we felt like making. And the menu changed every day. We went through so much paper. (laughs) One of the most popular items on the menu was artisanal Pop-Tarts that Sola made by hand. The filling was like jams made from fruit from the market that cost so much. You know, each each Pop-Tart had probably $10 worth of jam in it. And we charged $5 for the Pop-Tarts. And then uh, sprinkles that I piped one at a time. Handmade sprinkles. You made sprinkles one at a time? I did because, you know, like you could make them faster if you just make like lines and break it. But I wanted them to have rounded ends. So it looks more like a real sprinkle. Oh, my God. And uh, a lot of people, like, a lot of people quit their job over making those sprinkles. So (laughs) I ended up making every single sprinkle because people would either quit if I asked them to make them or they would do them not, you know, the ends wouldn't be rounded. And then what's the point? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also just funny because I feel like so much of your ethos today when you do videos showing people how to cook things is very much like, don't stress if it's not exactly right. It'll be fine. You'll figure it out. If not, you'll do it next time. It's very much like... It's all good. You'll be fine. So it's it's funny to hear that coming from the same person who was like, the sprinkles can't have rounded edges. <laughs> yeah. No, they have to have rounded edges. They oh, can't sorry, have flat sorry. Edges. Yes, right. God, you would have been fired. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's we're out of business for a lot of reasons. <laughs> you know? Sola and Ham closed Hail Mary about a year after they opened. And while Sola can joke about it now, she said in other interviews that it was very painful, that she still feels like she's not over it, and that running that restaurant was the hardest thing she's ever done. After that experience, she was ready for a change. In 2018, she left the restaurant world to work in food media. Her first job was at Sirius Eats as a culinary assistant, which meant going from working in a restaurant kitchen to working in an office. It's a completely different world. And also a big shift was... Um, just like becoming more personable, you know, because in a restaurant, you're usually just like talking to bread. (laughs) You don't worry about what you're wearing or if you've brushed your hair or, you know, if you're smiling Um, and working in an office with people, I had to remind myself, like, you have to say hello. How are you doing? You can't just like, like in in meetings, I would just want to get to the point. Like, why are we here? (laughs) But like, I had to learn, like, no, you have to do a little small talk. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. What'd you do this weekend? Uh-huh. Right. I feel like I've gotten good at it. Yeah, very good. I right? wouldn't have known that it was a struggle for you. No, I had a notes app with all the things that I had to do every day. And I'd look at it every day, like, remember to smile, ask people about how they are, um, look interested, you know, engage listening cues, a big one, like nod, like you're nodding right now. <laughs> uh, I had to teach myself how to be a person because when you spend most of your adult life like in a basement peeling potatoes, you forget how to do that stuff. After a year at Sirius Eats, Sola went to Bon Appetit. As far as the world of food media was to her at first, she was a natural in front of the camera. And even though it wasn't really part of her job to do video work, she ended up becoming a fixture in the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen's popular YouTube videos. She wasn't there long before injustices in that workplace became very public in the summer of 2020. Sola spoke at length about all that in an episode we did at the time, which you can still listen to. Sola left the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen later that year. But one takeaway from that period was that fans on YouTube clearly wanted more Sola. So in the past few years, she's gotten into a bunch of different projects. She was a judge on Dan Levy's HBO cooking competition series, The Big Brunch. She hosts a web series for the cooking channel called Ancient Recipes with Sola. And these days, Sola and Ham are regular contributors to the New York Times cooking section. They also co-host Mystery Menu, a Times YouTube series. I'm Sola. I'm Ham. 
This is a show where we take a mystery ingredient and turn it into a menu, yes. a dinner and a dessert. At the start of each episode, Sola and Ham sketch out a game plan for turning their mystery ingredient into a full meal. It's not unlike the prep work Sola first learned how to do with her mom all those years ago. First course, fruit cup. Second course, uh, Grand Slam egg. Third course, the red-eye gravy. What, what do you traditionally you have red-eye gravy with? Grits are good. Yeah, we can do grits. Grits and greens. Grits and greens. Like okay. a charred green? That's from the kitchens of chain restaurants to places with Michelin stars to the pages of top-tier food publications, Sola has worked in nearly every corner of the culinary world. Now she can add cookbook author to her long list of accomplishments. For the past three years, Sola's been working on a cookbook that comes out this week. It's called Start Here, Instructions for Becoming a Better Cook. And it's so much more than just a collection of recipes. It's an entire culinary education. Inspired by her disappointment with culinary school, Sola created an alternative syllabus in book form. And she told me each chapter covers a different cooking technique with recipes that offer opportunities to practice. Whether you're a chef in a restaurant or you're a cookbook author or you're a recipe developer, the point is teaching people how to cook. Like, even as a chef, you're not cooking everything. You're teaching your cooks how to cook. So I think that that's the most important part, being able to communicate techniques and stuff in a, in a clear way so that other people can do it at home. And Solis is making things as clear as possible was a very high priority. She even put thought into the layout of the book in order to make it as accessible as possible. Each step of every recipe is numbered so you can follow it more easily. Each item in the ingredients list is separated with a horizontal line. The font size is also a little bigger than the average cookbook so that it's easy to find your place as you go back and forth between the food and the text. I think about how I was when I started cooking and how I didn't have that many resources back then. You just had a couple of cookbooks and then some episodes of Martha Stewart that I would like try to take notes through. And like a lot of times it's just like really intimidating and you feel really lost. And like pie crust was a big thing that I just could not get down. So none of the recipes explained it to me in a way that made sense to me. So like being able to to help people like get those like aha moments and figure it out and like realize that they can do it. I think a lot of times what makes me sad about like people in the kitchen is that they think they can't do it because they mess something up. And it's like, no, I started exactly where you did, making really burnt chicken. And, and, and we can like get over this together. Let's figure it out, you know? There's a section on braising and stewing with recipes for coconut cauliflower korma and squid with sofrito and saffron. Another chapter covers steaming and poaching and includes a recipe for snappy shrimp with punch-you-in-the-face cocktail sauce. In the second half of the book, which is devoted to baking and desserts, there's a whole chapter on caramelizing. But there's no recipe for artisanal Pop-Tarts. There's sprinkles in there, though. You did a recipe for sprinkles. I gave people the sprinkles. Are they allowed to make them with straight edges, though? You can do them however you want. <laughs> I still make them one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> How would you explain your relationship with food and cooking today? You know, it, it, it there's highs and lows. Because it is my job and something about when something's your job, you kind of like it a little bit less. Um, so sometimes I get frustrated and I hate it and I don't want to cook. And then something will always bring me back. Like the other day I was like, oh, I don't want to cook because, you know, we have a newborn and she's always screaming and cooking and eating is really hard. Uh, so we got takeout and uh, from this place called Domo Domo. 
and they have a little cabbage slaw with a black sesame dressing. And I was like, this is amazing. I want to figure out how to make this black sesame dressing. There's so many things you can do with this black sesame dressing. So it like comes and goes. And, and I feel like it's very easy to be inspired because you got to eat every day. That's Sola El Whaley. Her debut cookbook, Start Here, is out October 31st. Get it. It is so good, and you will learn so much, and you will eat so, so well. And hey, we're giving away a copy of Sola's book to one lucky winner. All you got to do is subscribe to our email newsletter by November 19th. You'll be entered to win. If you're already on the list, you're already entered. If not, please sign up now at sporkful.com slash newsletter. Giveaways are open to U.S. and Canada addresses only. Also, some very exciting news to share. We're kind of soft launching it here in the end credits for the hardcore people who are still listening. We have a new project we are working on with Sola and her husband, Ham. They're going to be hosting a special podcast series for us. It's coming out in January right here in the Sporkful feed. They're going to do deep dives into the surprising stories behind dishes they love. And then they'll put their own spin on those dishes when they get into their home kitchen. We'll have more on the series coming soon. We can't wait to share it with you. Next week on the show, how do you make a pizza into a meal fit for soldiers on the battlefield? That was the mission of a team of food scientists, and it took years to crack the MRE pizza code. Our friends from the podcast Proof at America's Test Kitchen share that story with us next week. While you're waiting for that one, check out my interview with Yuande Komalafa, author of My Everyday Lagos, about her years as an undocumented immigrant and her new cookbook. That's up now. And while you're buying books, don't forget to pre-order my book. It's called Anything's Possible, and you can find all the info at sporkful.com. This show is produced by me, along with senior producer... Emma Morgenstern. And producers... Andres O'Hara. And... Grace Rubin. Editing by... Nora Ritchie. Our engineer is... Jared O'Connell. And our intern is... Julia Russo. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher Studios. Our executive producers are Colin Anderson and Nora Ritchie. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. Hello, this is Peter. And Liz from Calgary, Alberta. It's 2 a.m. and we just finished catering our own wedding. And we're here to remind you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.